Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. So we're going to pick up an interesting article by one of our favorite authors, Alistair Coburn. Je Jeffrey, could you give us a brief, brief summary of it? What's, what's he writing about now? <laughs> well, this is something that actually came out, um, I think, a bit more than a month ago. And as soon as I saw it, I, I, I knew I would want us to, to cover it. And it, it was basically a, uh, a an article, and I saw the link on Twitter, he was saying, um, uh, the headline is Agile's not dead, quite the opposite. And I, I think this is a very important topic because uh, there is a lot of discussion of post-Agile and um, uh, the demise of Agile and, and, and negativity out there about Agile as a concept, at least among the long-term Agile people. But um, So I thought it was useful to, to take a look at what he's had to say and uh, look at it in the round. Because I think you and I would agree that uh, with Coburn that uh, in no way is, is Agile dead. We just wrote a book about Agile, so you would you would think that maybe we, we, we think it might still have some life in it, or we wouldn't have written the book. Absolutely. Now, I want to start with, with what I think was the most important point, and we'll come back to this again. He says, look, um, if you look globally at the labor pool, you have a, a global labor pool of about 3 billion people. And if you take everyone who's been trained in some sort of Agile method around the world, you have perhaps 3 million people trained in Agile. Now, those 3 billion people are not all in software, but is, that's his point, is that uh, basically as, as working becomes knowledge work, that this the agile mindset is what matters. And that agile mindset is something that is broadly applicable. So it's not just a question of software, but agile is going far beyond its origins. Interesting. So that's like 0.1%. So the, the theory is that we have a, a long way to go. That, that's right, exactly. And but th th that leads to kind of a question. Then, well, if that's if that's right, I mean, can that be right? Given why do people talk about agile being dead? Then, and and mm. he provides a bit of an answer, and uh, and I I wanted to take this up, and, and he's got three reasons that he gives, um, and we're not going to cover them in this order. But the way he gives it is phony ads, misunderstanding the ordinary movement of ideas through society, and the number three, looking at the wrong curves. Um, We'll look at them in a slightly different order, though. Let's let's start with the second one, uh, and the reason is because I think this is kind of the uh, uh, the origin of of some of the other ones. So that's the the second point he gives: the misunderstanding of ordinary movement of ideas through society. Now he references something we've talked about before, which is crossing the chasm and the yep. uh, the diffusion of innovation uh, uh, behind it, and the separation of uh, different parts of the population. Uh, into uh, labels like innovators and er early adopters and the early majority, late majority, and laggards. That's my favorite is the laggards. I really like the laggards. They're, they're, <laughs> they just want to hold on to the old thing. My horse is fine. I don't need that car. Yeah. And now this is, uh, this is, this is an idea that uh, it's, it's not new. Um, the uh, diffusion of innovation goes back. I think that curve goes back to something like the sixties or something like that, or, or if not earlier. And, and Jeffrey Moore, I think wrote his stuff in the nineties about crossing the chasm. That's right. And uh, that this idea is, he makes the point though, is that if we accept there's these different sort of population types, then the people who were on the leading edge, the innovators and early adopters, they tend to be well, guess what? They're they're early in the phase, and they're they're the pundits. They're the ones who you're most likely to, to hear about on Twitter. They're the people who blog. They're people who write books. They're the they're the 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 vocal minority out there, um, who who are trying out new things. And for them, agile was some, a really big deal in like the early two thousands. <laughs> but now it's passe, old news. Yeah, exactly. That's right. And, and because for them, 
you know, the, this idea that sort of a moment of joy when they first came across Agile, uh, and it's, and joy is, is really the right word. And I think it reflected in, uh, different books that people have written about it, where they tend to use the word joy, uh, Mm -hmm. Like, for example, the the Menlo Innovations, uh, Joy at Work, uh, is an example that comes to mind. Joy Joy Inc., it's called. Uh, Joy Inc., thank you, yes. We'll put these links in the show notes, yeah. Yeah, and Joy at Work is a a different one. Um, But when people get these different ideas, uh, they're so excited about it, it's very liberating. And and then, Mm -hmm. you know, 10 years on, you you don't keep that necessarily that same zeal the whole time, and and partially because you've advanced you're looking at at new permutations, more advanced versions, but they kind of originate in that same agile thinking. And so they have uh, different names and different labels, but it's it, the origin is the same kind of agile mindset. And so that's, I think, one reason why uh, the pundits tend to do that. The, the other reason, of course, is they, they might be a bit bitter by what happens uh, to these ideas as they go mainstream. And uh, Alistair has a very uh, a very nice thing that he says in the article. He says, look, when you have a brilliant idea, you only have one of two things that are going to happen to it. It'll either be misrepresented and misused, or it will be ignored, and you don't get to choose which. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Agile uh, was a brilliant idea, and it has been successful, which means it's not ignored, which means what you'd expect is that it'll be misrepresented and misused. We've certainly seen that. Exactly. So that's the only option available. So I think these uh, the early... Um, Agile adopters, they, when they look at what uh, now gets labeled Agile, how it gets uh, used sometimes, they, they're they're very much put off by that and say, look, that's not Agile. When people say they're doing Agile now, it's it's not. And, and therefore, Agile, as we used to know, was dead It's or it's corrupted. It's so poisoned. It's not, it's not worth it. It's not a useful phrase anymore. Sure. But that's only from the perspective of people who've been around it for a long time. But I think this leads directly to the to the first point that uh, Alistair mentioned where he talks about phony ads. Because I, I, I make a distinction between when you say, quote unquote, phony ads about Agile, there, there's kind of two different kinds. There's this sort of snake oil polluting what Agile mean type of ads where people are trying to, um, turning Agile methods to into quick money. That was a, another phrase that uh, Agile, uh, Alistair talks about in there. And, and so people will look at, at that and they'll just say, oh yeah, Agile's dead, try this now. But then you also have people who would agree about what Agile means. And we, we had this a few weeks ago when we had the uh, uh, people from Basecamp. And, Ryan Singer from, uh, yeah, from Basecamp. Yeah, talking about Shape Up. And, and actually we started talking to them because I saw one of their ads saying, yep, Shape Up is not Agile. But when we actually spoke to him, he goes, oh yeah, we're Agile like that old school early 2000s XP kind of Agile, but not what people think of today. So this is a really interesting example where you have someone saying, nope, we're definitely not Agile. But what they really mean is we really are Agile, unlike that other stuff that people call Agile today, mm-hmm. which, which I find you know that's sort of a, a side effect of that uh, misunderstanding and misuse. And it really is a, a pollution of the word because the, the word started by meaning a certain set of things. And if you do enough adverts, it turns out that you can actually shift what people think about it if you if you have enough bad implementations. Um, according to the, the early adopters, uh, you, you can wind up really shifting uh, what, what it's all about. Yeah, of course, I, I, you know, you and it, I... It, it, it would be great if somebody did an analysis of um, kind of ha- how that kind of evolution happened. Right. I, I think you might know something about that. <laughs> well, well that, that, that would be... 
that would be a, a really interesting chart of our time. I remember actually I did a, a talk something like that in the late two thousands uh, when it already felt like like this this was well underway, as uh, what people meant by agile had become just Scrum, and it really became for a lot of people to seem like it was no longer a technical uh, set of activities or principles, but just project management. But mm-hmm. the, I think these are these are both contributing factors. But I think the most important uh, factor that why people will um, misunderstand that Agile is just getting started comes from this point number three, you know, the, the looking at the wrong curves. I think the, the point about things being mis- misunderstood is kind of, uh, it creates a visual reaction, but to understand the future, to look ahead, it, then, then that's really the most significant thing. This is where the 3 billion versus 3 million that Alistair talks about comes from. Yeah, you got to explain that one. So why does he th- why does he think that we can we can um, uh, affect that many people with <laughs> agile ideas? Well, it's a, it's a good question, and I, and I the answer this is something that I I recognized it in what Alistair was saying because of something I was exposed to previously, which is uh, Wardley maps, and we'll go ahead and and link to a uh, a presentation from Simon Wardley. Uh, and it, it's a very long presentation, so the, we'll start with what he has on slide number 119. <laughs> Apparently, this is the introduction, yeah. so um, <laughs> I, I know nothing about this, and I'm looking forward to learning about it, but um, I, I hope I can make it through all 250. Don't worry, yeah. we're, we'll summarize. Go ahead, Jeffrey. What's it all about? Well, the, well, the important part is, is he would say that crossing the chasm model is right, but it's, it's right only within a sort of limited context. He says, if you're if you kind of pull back, you'll see that there's there's uh, not just that one market you're in, but there's a whole evolution of an innovation over time. And so take the example of something like telephone or radio or television or something like that. There's uh, He talks about there's this life cycle. If you can find this life cycle on slide 130, where something will go through dif- distinct phases from genesis to custom built, to product, to commodity, to utility. And what as things move from left to right on his map from genesis through to utility then what's two things are happening one is you you better understand what this thing is for and and how to use it and and also then it becomes more ubiquitous so it's it's used more broadly mm-hmm. and it really changes its definition all the way across that's the thing that i hadn't appreciated until you were explaining it to me yeah that's right and so effectively what it means is in in each of these phases has its own sort of uh, crossing the chasm curve. So in, in the phase of when you're just out there, um, you know, uh, building radios, for example, you go through this era where, where radios are being custom built. If you want a radio, you got to go pick up a kit, you know, or you go buy the parts. And even, but even in there, in that, in that custom built phase, you go from a place where you're buying parts to a place where you're buying kits. That in itself is part of the evolution of the market of the custom built market. You know, so really, originally started off the people who really want to build their own thing, have to go read scientific papers, have to go read journals and then go, you know, find all the pieces and figure out their circuits and you know, really, really start from scratch. And only the innovators will do that, maybe very early adopters. And then you'll get the people who are really, you know, motivated and they'll go source all the parts. And someone says, oh, we should make this easier for more people and we'll put together pre-made kits and it becomes easier and easier. But that whole market is completely unlike the product market of say radios, where suddenly once it becomes mainstream enough, you have this whole other market that opens up where you can go and buy a radio for your home. And now, you know, you're, you're choosing your radio by what kind of wood paneling it has <laughs> or, you know, which various features it has. It's, and, and that product market is utterly different than that earlier 
home built market. So it's a different curve. And so in, in Wardley's- You reminded me exactly how much different it was because um, as you were telling me the, the radio story when we were preparing, I was remembering how original radios were two-way, right? You broadcast. Yes, that's uh, right. You, you would actually say something into a microphone and people would hear you at the other end. That was the whole point of, of radio. <laughs> and uh, the product, of course, that you stuck on your shelf and tried to match your wallpaper was not anything like that. That's so right. although the mechanics are the same, the, the same um, uh, transistors and so on are, are inside, that doesn't mean that it's used in anything like the same way. And, and the, the massive change is um, uh, something that really surprised me that I really hadn't appreciated until you pointed out the wordly map approach. Yeah. And even, and even you know, when we talk about that sort of era of, of it as a product where everywhere home has their own radio, but then of course, later on, you get this further evolution into commodity where radios are just everywhere. You know, they're in they're, they're Everyone has their own personal radio. You take it to the beach, it's in your car and it's, it's, it's just omnipresent. And that's even then that's, that's a different market of radios. If you're a radio manufacturer, you you approach that commodity market very differently than that sort of, you know, home radio as a piece of furniture market that was uh, earlier. Now in you're a component cycle. inside a larger system. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're getting built into the car or whatever so that you can, uh, work differently. That's right. And someone look, since someone downstream, you know, if the, if, if you, I mean, that downstream worldview of what a radio is, is very different than that early one. And, and people who are visionaries, people who are built their own radios and are really excited about, oh, look, I can, I can talk to people. I can pick up radio broadcasts from around the world. I can talk to people all over the world. They might look at, you know, present day radios and be like, well, this is dumb. Like, why would you want that? You can only hear your local radio station. You missing out on the point. I can hear people from the other side of the world. I can talk to people on the other side of the world. And, and they're going to say like, this is, this is, this isn't radio. <laughs> radio is dead. <laughs> it's, it's become just this entertainment thing. So, so how are we going to take advantage or, 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 or play along with the, the, the trend, right? Because it's agile is moving. If, if our argument is that it isn't dead, then it's moving along the, the wordly uh, path here. Yeah. And uh, if we're somewhere like a product or commodity, that means it's going to look very, very different. Um, how, how is agile development going to apply to farmers, for example? I have a sheep <laughs> farm next to me. How's, how's the farmer going to use that? How's it going to apply to, I don't know, football players? Um, those questions, I'm not sure we can answer today, but we have a couple examples that, um, that that might be useful. Yeah, I think it's 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 a good point. I think it's worth starting with um, just some of the evidence we've seen that this is true that it's getting you know it's 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 broadening outside of, of software. And I, actually, you have you have some good examples uh, that that you've encountered in your in your consulting. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, uh, well, one of them is that when I was working with a genomics company, of all things, I don't know anything about genomics, but they. Um, uh, they were very innovative in their sales as well as in their technology. It was a, a pleasure to work with them. And uh, what they had was actually a, uh, a a chart, kind of a Kanban board for their sales team. And uh, they had it publicly up on the wall and they had the logos of their different customers. And you could walk up to it and see, oh, these guys are at the demo stage and these folks are at uh, proof of concept stage. And uh, hey, haven't we closed these folks yet? So it was uh, almost like um, coming straight out of... Uh, 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 an agile team that was an agile software development team with its Kanban board and moving things from uh, uh, column to column. Right. So I was very impressed. And they just did that organically. I didn't teach that to them. I don't get any credit. Um, they didn't go read a book on how to do it. They just said, gee, this seems like it would be useful and went off and did it. Right. And and then you, you, you told me today about something I'd never heard of before, which is heresy.io. 
Yep. So that's actually a kind of a, a, a productization of the same idea. And I ran into these in completely different contexts. They, they don't know each other as far as I know. Um, but uh, the heresy guys are building a piece of software that uh, builds you a burndown chart for your sales team. And uh, the guy who, who came up with it, uh, the original founder, uh, uh, got a lot of his ideas from working with a sales team inside Stack Overflow. And in that team, they had stand-ups and uh, a burndown chart. And um, most interestingly, a non I think it was non-commission, at least it certainly was um, de-emphasized de commission for salespeople. The uh, goal was for the entire team to complete the task of selling uh, to target which is a lot more like a software development team and a lot less like sales teams that we know. And they're tremendously successful at Stack Overflow and Heresy seems to be a, quite a successful product as well. And uh, and I think we have, we have a minor point, which is it turns out, as we look at our stats for this podcast, the, the single most popular episode so far was, was one from last year, which was Agile Outside Software Teams. So it's kind of uh, some anecdotal evidence that of all the topics we've talked about, the one that seems to have had the most uh, curiosity for people as they look through our backlog is, is, is that one, because they, they, I think that other people are experiencing this or, and are curious about it, about how Agile is expanding. Well, it's a fascinating topic. I'm going to be interested to see how it evolves. Right. And, we, and, and for ourselves, of course, as you mentioned our book here, we, we very much are in the camp that this sort of agile mindset is going to keep working uh, and, and keep expanding. Uh, and I, there was another article that Alistair wrote, which we won't go to as much, uh, which is uh, what happens after agile crosses the chasm. And this is kind of where his work is, I think, these days is a lot on simplification of the agile concepts and trying to make it something that you can expand, you can understand more quickly and then take it out more broadly uh, not just um, uh, within software, and, and this is on the website uh, Heart of Agile, which is what we're where these articles are. He he boils it down into collaborate, deliver, reflect, and improve. And uh, for us, we we look at that and say that oh, that makes a lot of sense. And then what you need to do is be having the conversations to support that, uh, which is where our you know we see our our, our book coming in, but it's something that's. Uh, uh, something that we are looking to as, as people start to try to have the collaboration that Agile requires, the obstacle they hit is their ability to communicate becomes the roadblock. So we think as, as Agile uh, expands out uh, beyond software entirely, you're going to have the same sorts of, of issues that we see within Agile teams where the emphasis on collaboration, the emphasis on culture becomes the, the real uh, limiting factor of how well people are able to adopt these concepts they're not able to do that, they're going to run into exactly the same problems we did. So we admit you could, you could argue that both Coburn and we are, are, are trying to unpollute the term and uh, bring back some of the, the original uh, principles that underlay agile software development as it goes into other teams, areas, and maybe even my, uh, my sheep next door are going to be uh, doing burn down charts. Who knows? <laughs> That's right. Fantastic. Well, thanks, Jeffrey, for a very interesting topic. I can imagine lots of ways we could go from here. So if you're interested in Wordly Maps or Agile Outside Software Teams or phony adverts or um, uh, crossing the chasm, any of those are things we could talk about next time. We always like hearing from you. If you'd like to tell us what you want to hear, that's at troubleshootingagile.com. 
we're uh, on Twitter and email, and if you can invent something else, we'll we'll see if we can get on that. Uh, not on not on radio yet, but podcasts for sure. And uh, we also like it when people uh, come and listen to us every Wednesday. So all you have to do to do that is click some kind of subscribe button and whatever you use to listen to us in a kind of post radio world here. And we'd love to be talking to you next Wednesday about one of these fascinating topics. Okay, thanks, Jeffrey. Thanks, Will. Thank you.